Hi, everyone. Okay. Can I just ask you guys to uh, stretch out your hands and just pray for me one more time? Be awesome. the word of prayer. Father, I um, just want to claim you, Lord Father, as my Lord, as our Father, the, the supreme authority in this place, Father God. Lord God, you are Lord and authority over our mind, body, flesh, our soul, our strength, Lord Father God. And we just want to ask that you fill this place with your Holy Spirit and that, Lord God, that you would anoint my lips, O oh Father, and that, Lord, when the word goes out, Lord Father, before it goes out, Lord God, would there be conviction in my heart, that, Lord, your word, Lord God, would be brought to life in myself first, Lord Father God, and that it would go forth, Lord Father God, to, Lord Father, encourage, to edify, Lord Father God, and to just bring this church, Lord Father, to a new level of victory in Christ Jesus. So, Lord God, we, we invite you here. And we thank you so much, Lord Father God, that we can be here, Lord Father God, to worship you, to pray for the things that you want us to pray for, to sow into the things that you want us to sow into, and Lord Father God, to just listen to your word, Lord Father, and to be renewed by your words, Father God. And so, Lord, we just want to give you all the glory, and we just pray that you would uh, just bring forth, Lord Father, your word in this place, Lord Father. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, this is kind of strange. Okay. Um, <coughs> so this whole week, I kind of spent it kind of sick, kind of uh, coughing. And I was just so tempted just to start thinking, maybe I should ask Christian if I can get someone else to preach, you know? Like the cough, it started like, you know, off as sort of being like, I'm kind of sick. I'm not really feeling up to it. Then it became sort of like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. It's my first time preaching here. Um, and then all these thoughts started coming into my head and I was just feeling really insecure, really fearful. And I just wanted to run away. Um, this whole week, I was just thinking about the Australia trip as well. Hallelujah. Um, and I was thinking about all the awesome, crazy, good things that I witnessed at the battle retreat. And for some reason, the, the word battle and the word battlefield just kept on coming up this whole week. I would log on to Facebook, and everywhere it says battlefield. You know, I would read people's testimonies, and I would read battlefield. I wrote battlefield in my testimony as well. And I just couldn't stop thinking about the word battlefield. And it just got me thinking about my sickness as well. I started thinking about the way the sickness sort of, you know, led to other thoughts. And I just realized that one of the greatest battlefields in my life is really my mind. Um, just this week, I talked to my mom. Um, sometimes, most of the time, uh, 
I hang up sort of feeling unsure and all. Uh, I've been in Korea for over three and a half years, and I thought I would only be here one year. And so my parents really want me home. And so every time I, I talk to my mom or let her talk to me, um, I'm usually really silent. I don't say much. I try not to say much. And then I, I hung up. And then I started thinking, oh, wait, what am I doing here in Korea? What am I still doing here in Korea? Is it time for me to go back home? Has it already, you know, become overdue? Should I, should I have already gone back like a long time ago? If I were to go back home, what would I do? Would I go back to school? If I go to school, what should I study? And if I don't study, should I get a job? And if I get a job, where should I apply? You know, in my mind, it just went on this, it's just, there was like a train of thoughts that just began to like fill my mind. And in that moment, I just said, I got on my knees and I was like, oh man, I'm going to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I bind the spirit of anxiety right now in the name of Jesus and I send it to the cross. And I was like, I take back my peace. Thank you very much. I take back my joy. Thank you very much. I take back a sound mind. Thank you very much. And I realized, wow, the battlefield of the mind is just so strong. And um, so today, um, I bet you guys can relate to me, but um, today the, the title of my sermon is Train of Thought. Um, just from my example, uh, you can see how one thought that enters your mind has such uh, power and capacity to develop into another thought and, and then to another one and then to another one. And finally, you realize that there's a long train of thoughts that develop from this one thought. And the thing is, there's, the thought can be powerful in a good way. You know, a thought of, you know, the work of God. When you think about the work of God, it gets you thinking about all these other things that are so good. You say, oh, Father God, I praise you for what you did in that brother's life. Oh, hallelujah. And then you start getting hopeful. And then you start saying, oh, I know what you did for that brother. I know that you will do it for my brother. Hallelujah. I claim it in Jesus' name. And that pleases God because we're claiming our faith. It's a statement of faith. And so the things of our mind, it has so much power uh, to just really bring up our spirits. But at, at the same time, the reverse is also true. Um, one single thought uh, can lay down the tracks for a negative train of thought just to speed up, you know. And first it starts with, I wonder, hmm. And then it leads to worry and then to anxiety, and then to depression, and then into insecurity, and sometimes it also manifests physically. I mean, for myself as well, um, I used to suffer from migraines, um, just naturally. Uh, I used to worry about everything. Like, I mean, like, you know, soshime? Like, when you're so mad sensitive, right? And, like, a friend will walk past me without saying hi. And at first, the first thought would be, she must be having a bad day. And then I turn around, and I'm like, wait, but she didn't say hi to me. Why didn't she say hi to me? Did I do something wrong? I must have done something wrong. What is it that I, I did? And then I start walking around this person, you know, like I'm walking on eggshells. And, I mean, it sounds really psycho, but that, let's face it, that's what we do, you know? Um, yes, yeah, it's what we do. And, <laughs> right. And, and the thing is, for me, the source, that all those worries... 
it manifested in, in the form of migraines, and I would have a migraine nearly every day. You know how doctors say there's no cure for migraines? Um, I've been cured. <laughs> and um, the thing is, the way it happened was, one, I just asked Jesus to heal me. I was sick and tired of these migraines. Like, a pin drop would sound like a volcano erupting, and I would become the most discontent person in the world. Uh, it made me feel really horrible. And... Um, the second thing that happened was there was a renewing of the mind where I would stop worrying and then I would start thinking about the plans that God had for me, the good and the perfect plans that God had for me. And um, in that way, the mind is so powerful. It can do you harm and it can do you good. Um, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, uh, to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life. So depending on where you, you set your mind, it can lead to death or it can lead to life and peace. And so right now we're going to examine uh, what it means to set the mind on the flesh. Um, it's basically uh, to think just as, the, as an unbeliever would think. It's to... Uh, pursue the things that an unbeliever would pursue. It's to uh, place importance on the things that an unbeliever would place importance on. Because if you think about the flesh, um, the flesh uh, is dead to sin, right? And so it cannot acknowledge Christ, right? Um, and so because of that, um, the mind is filled with sin. The mind is filled with the things that are not of God. Because you cannot conceive of God, right? And just by hearing that too, that leads to death. It's death. Because it says, uh, this is the abundant life, to know the Father, right? When you don't know the Father, when your flesh is dead, right? Sorry. <clears throat> when, it, when your flesh uh, is, is enslaved to sin, sorry, you don't know the Father. And because of that, there is no life. There is no abundant life. And all there is, is really death. And just by hearing that also, we know that this really is not the mind of a believer, right? So then, what does it mean uh, to set the mind on the things of the Spirit? Um, it basically means to break free uh, from the mind of the flesh, uh, from the thought patterns of the old self, the thought patterns of the, the natural. Um, and because we are made new because we're a new creation, you begin to submit those thoughts under the authority of Christ. Whereas before, um, you're led to do these things because you're a slave to these things. You're led to think these thoughts because you're a slave to these thoughts. Now, those things don't have an authority over you. You take the authority that you have in Christ and you take captive those things and bring it under the authority of Christ. That's what basically you're doing when you set your mind on the spirit and so the, the key theme verse here is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10.5. It, it, it basically commands us to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Um, uh, basically, <clears throat> if you think about a train... Uh, and you know how I mentioned that the title of the sermon was... Um, Train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. When you think of a train, the first thought that 
comes in your mind is sort of like the fuel that gets that train going, right? But then if you keep on feeding it that fuel, it keeps on going and it speeds up. And when that first thought is not in accordance to Christ, you're speeding up on the path to death, right? And so it's, it's, it's a scary thing, right? Um, one thing we have to remember here is that temptation itself is not a sin. It, to be tempted is not sin. Uh, but when you fall into that temptation, that's the sin. So when you have a lustful thought, the fact that that lustful thought got into your mind, that itself is not uh, um, like the sin, you know. It's what you do with that lustful thought. Do you allow it to continue to go on? Do you continue to fuel that train and allow your mind to continue to think about those lustful things? And uh, so that's when it becomes sin. And so this is where God's command to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ comes into play. This is when you, you identify the thought first, and then you identify it as not being of Christ. And you say, no, I'm not going to think further. I'm going to turn my eyes away. I'm going to turn my mind away from this thought, and I'm going to take authority over it. I'm going to say that it has no uh, authority over me. I'm not going to be chained by this thought. And... I take up the authority, and I bring it under the authority of Christ. And basically, you, you walk away from it. And so um, if you think about uh, a mind that has sort of already, you know, taken the fuel and started um, putting the fuel in that train, as it goes on, the thing is, the authority of Christ has been given to you to pull the lever, change the course of the tracks, and get your train on the right track. Right, So that's what it means to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. It's to uh, take everything and, and uh, make it so that it is pleasing to God, that it is of God, that we have a mind of God. Um, <coughs> Next, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give three reasons why we need to take every, cap, every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Number one, it's a command. Um, the first commandment says, Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your mind. And it says that God searches the heart and the mind. Right? And so if we were to take a break right now, we were to kind of think about what's in our minds, were we to sort of search the things that are filling our minds right now, uh, right now uh, we might be filled with the word of God, Maybe uh, the promises of God, the goodness of God, the provisions of God, the faithfulness of God, all these things that are good um, and that are of God and that are for God. But then at the same time, I think about my mind as well, and I'm thinking sickness. I'm thinking, oh, I'm nervous. And then there's uh, other thoughts that fill my mind when I talk to my mom as well. There's fear. There's anxiety, there's uncertainty, there's lots of self-ambition as well, and there's possibly hatred sometimes, bitterness, slander, gossip. All these things are also in our mind. And the thing is, when God searches our minds, he doesn't expect to find those things. He doesn't want to find those things. What he wants to find is the mind of Christ, right? Because I just said that he wants our minds to be of him, 
and for him, right? And it says in God's word that we have been given the mind of Christ, that we have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, that's a gift from God, right? That is of God. And what he wants to see when he searches our mind, not just our heart, but our mind as well, he wants to see the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is sound, it's steadfast, um, it's pure, it's holy, it's righteous, and it's set on the will of the Father, right? It, the, the mind of Christ only desires and wants and focuses on what the Father wills, right? And that's the sort of mind that, that God wants to see when he searches our mind. But that's not really all, always what, what he finds, right? Um, another thing that he wants to find in our minds when he searches them is to see the things that are for his glory, so there's praise, there's worship, uh, there's testimonies, testimonies. Uh, there's so many things that glorify God, and he wants to see these things because they're all for him, right? But then what he finds instead are anxiety, depression, even thoughts of suicide, you know, lustful thoughts, um, addictions, wanting certain things, desiring the things of the world, um, th- the things that we find in the world, in and of themselves, are not bad. Like, you, you can have success. God can give you success, right? But then when it's not, you know, according to how he's bringing it to you, you know, that's not in accordance to Christ. And so <coughs> the first reason why uh, we need um, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ is because that's the command of God. That's the only way that we can fulfill that first commandment. That we, we know how to love God with our heart. We really do. And with our soul. But when it comes to the mind, it's just so hard. Because there's always a battle going on here. There's all these other thoughts that go against God. You know? And the things of the flesh, the reason why it leads to death, is because the things of the flesh are against the things of the spirit. Right? And so when, it, when your mind is filled with things that are not of the spirit. I mean, there's a war going on in your mind, right? And so um, uh, we have to learn to take every thought captive and do it in order that we may fulfill the first commandment, right? Um, The second reason, I'm going to have a really short sermon. The second reason why we need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ is because by doing so, we get to know the thoughts of God. We get to know the will of God. We get to know, we get in on the plans of God. Um, if we turn, in, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 12, and the NIV, it says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And so, um, because it is only the Spirit of God that knows the thoughts of God, We need to take captive the thoughts that are of the flesh, that are against the spirit, 
and bring them under the authority of Christ, and then we have to take on the mind of the Spirit, take the mind of Christ, so that we may know the things of God, that we may know the deep things of God. And <clears throat> I'm sure all of us, we all want to know what God's will for us is, right? Right? We all sort of have these holy worries, you know, holy worries, where we're like, I want to live for you, but how can I do that? But, you know, at first, even these thoughts, they're holy, they're good. You know, God wants us to think uh, about his will. You know, we, he wants us to, um, our minds to be filled with him and his will, right? But then there's a point where you want so bad to live the will, the perfect will of God, that you start thinking about your circumstances you start thinking about what other people are saying to you, and then you start thinking, am I living out the perfect will of God? Is this the perfect will of God for me? What is the perfect will of God, uh, perfect will of God for me? And then you start thinking, and then this thought turns into what was holy in the beginning, turns into worry and then anxiety, and then all of a sudden, you're on your knees and you're crying because you're, you're just so lost and you're so confused, you know. And God's good. God's gracious. And he shows us his plan for you in that way. Um, but in that way, um, in order to know the will of God, we can't be filled with all this excess baggage, all the thoughts, all the, all the thought processes, the, the thought trains of the flesh. Um, and... What the mind of the spirit gives to us is that when other people sort of give, you know, ask us, what are you still doing in Korea? Or, hey, couldn't you make more money in, you know, back home? I get that all the time. Um, had you been home by now, I think you would have been married. You know, things like that. And then, <laughs> don't laugh. Um, and when people start asking you these questions, you know, when you have the mind of Christ, when you have that sound mind, and your mind is so fixed on the will of God and what he's saying to you, the things that other people are saying, the circumstances that are changing, the things that you are seeing, the things that you do not see, they don't affect you. They don't affect the way you think. They don't affect the state of your mind. You know, it says that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, right? And so when you start losing that peace of God that transcends all that understanding, I know I could make more money somewhere else. I know uh, perhaps that my circumstance would be so different right now had I gone back home. I know these things, but the peace of God, it transcends all those things because I just know in my spirit that this is the will of God for me, right? But then there are times when I just get so caught up in those thoughts that I get lost in it and I lose my mind and then all of a sudden, bam, anxiety kicks in, uncertainty, and then I start doubting. And that's very dangerous to start doubting. It says, um, oh, sorry. Uh, the good news, though, is that when, when you start wandering in your thoughts, um, that as much as it's our, de our desire to know the will of God, it's his desire to make known his will for us. Right? It says, um, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 
But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So we don't really have to worry so much about what is the will of God for me. You know, you need to know what the will of God is for you, but you don't need to worry about it because he desires to make it known to you, right? And so there's no need for us to start worrying it says, uh, by, by worrying, what, what, you know, you're not adding to your days. You're not doing much, you know? And so uh, it's just really meaningless to start getting worried about something that God has promised to reveal to us, right? It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so every time we take captive these thoughts to obey Christ, we go out there with a a renewed mind. And it says renewing of the mind, meaning it's a process. It's ongoing. It's not like, okay, I've renewed my mind this day, and I think it's going to take me on for the next 10 years. It's not like that. It's a constant renewing of the mind. I, I, I told you, every day I face a battlefield in the mind, you know, and I have to fight hard. And so basically, this is telling me, I'm feeling really convicted right now too, I need to renew my mind daily, you know? That's the only way that I'll be victorious in this battlefield of the mind, right? Um, And as our minds are being renewed, no longer set on the mind of the flesh but on the spirit, we come to discern the will of God, right? And I say it like it's so simple, but in a way it really is. It's like, you're taking away the cloud and you're realizing that, you know, the sun was always there, but it's just, you, the cloud was just covering it, you know. Just the presence of the cloud doesn't mean that there's a lack of a presence of a sun, you know. I don't know if that's making sense. Anyways, okay. So let's go on to the third point. So the third reason why we need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ is because we walk by faith and not by sight. Right, And if we look back to the verse I just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Right? It says, we walk by faith and not by sight. But this is not saying that we live by a blind faith. We're not saying, uh, yeah, I'll just believe. Right? That's not the sort of um, faith that we're living by. It, we, we, we know that God has opened up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and we can see Christ, and that has given us life, right? And when we walk by faith and not by sight, it means we're walking by faith in the things that we see in the spiritual, not necessarily in the natural, right? We're not walking by faith because of the things that we're really seeing, but we walk by faith because there's something that is eternal, about the things that are unseen. It says, um, for our light and momentary troubles, help me out, are, right, right. So, okay, so let me start again. Okay, so it says, we fix our eyes not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, and the things that are unseen are eternal. 
right? And so in that way, we live by faith because we're seeing the things that are eternal, not temporary. What we see in the natural, with our natural eyes, it, that, that any unbeliever can see, everything's temporary. Everything changes. Our circumstances change. Our, our patterns change. Our paths change, you know? But when we see with spiritual eyes, right, and the things that are not naturally seen, but in the things that are spiritually seen, we're, we're, we're setting our hearts and our faith on the things that are eternal, right? And we understand this concept, right, that we walk by faith and not by sight. But the thing is, in this verse it says that until God has revealed his ways to us by spirit, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what he has prepared for those who love him, right? And so, (coughs) (coughs) because the mind perceives and conceives of things by the things that it sees, right? And the things that it hears. When we don't see things in the natural, it's hard for our mind to perceive it, right? When you don't see something in front of you, it's hard to say, I see it, you know? When you don't hear something in the, in the natural, it's hard for your mind to process that because nothing's being transmitted, right? And so in that way, we need a renewing of the mind because we see things with spiritual eyes, we hear things with spiritual eyes, and we need the mind of the spirit also to conceive the things of God. Right? And so in that way, we have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. <clears throat> and it's so easy for us when we don't see things happening in our lives, when God promises something and we don't see things, it's so easy for us to get vulnerable, disillusioned, you know, and we start wondering, did I really hear the voice of God? Was that my mind? Was that me speaking? Was that the devil speaking? You know, we start thinking about all these things, you know. And so in that way, we also have to guard our mind as well. So that even though we don't see things in the natural, because we see them in the spiritual, and we hear them in the spiritual, and we conceive it in the spiritual, these things that we don't see and hear in the natural, they don't change the 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 soundness of our minds um it says (coughs) that we know that without faith it's impossible to please god right and because doubt is basically the opposite of faith uh every time that our mind is is sort of uh tempted to sort of um doubt disbelief uh, just dismiss the things that God has revealed to us, you know, we have to take those things captive, right? Because it's taking us away from the path of faith and it's taking us to the path of doubt, right? And it's impossible to, to please God without faith, right? And so <coughs> uh, the three reasons why we, we need to really focus on... Um, our attention on the things that, that fill our minds, we have to monitor our minds, is because one, it's a command of God. Two, to know the will of God. And three, to keep 
on walking in the way of faith, in the way of God, in the way that pleases God, right? Um, so what do you do then? I'll end on this. What do you do then when you take captive a thought? So basically, when you take captive a thought, you think of a, a, a room, right? You're, think of your room, your mind as a room. And it's got all these bedrooms, right? And one room is filled with doubt. One room is filled with anxiety. One room is filled with uh, anger, you know? And then you take captive that thought. You yank it out of your mind, right, with the authority that you have in Christ. You take it to the cross and bring it to the submission of the cross of Christ. And you're left with an empty room. You need to fill your mind also with the things of God. And it says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Right? And there's one thing that Pastor Christian said before. He said, you know, anytime you think of a lustful thought, something, something enters you, you know, it, it doesn't have to be lust. It could be anger even, right? Or just bitterness, right? Something enters your thought. That moment, you just recite this verse and it's so long, right? And it's, it's like repetitive and you want to get it in the right order at the, as, as well, right? And so you're so fixed on getting this verse so right that really that thought, that train, it's never given the fuel to go ahead, you know? And so you're never really led to that path of death, right? And so just uh, something that you can apply is memorize this verse. Whatever is true, uh, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so um, let's just... Make sure that we, we, we don't fuel the trains of our thoughts. And instead, in the, in, the, in the moment that we see that something is not of God, we take it captive and we bring it under the authority of Christ. And so um, the battlefield of the mind is also meant to be won by the people of God. So let's be victorious. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much, Father, that Lord... Um, the things that we naturally desire, Lord Father God, are no longer, Lord Father, the things that we truly want, Lord God. Thank you so much, Lord. You give us your heart. You give us your mind. You give us your ways, Father God. And they're so much better and they're so much higher, Father God. And they are eternal, Father God. And so we thank you so much that you have called us, Lord Father God, to a life of abundance, not a life, Lord Father, that is bound down by the strongholds of our minds, bound down by the ways of the world. But Lord God, that has truly been set free to be able to fix our sight, our being, our everything, Lord Father God, on your goodness, on your kingdom, on the things of your holy name, Father God. And so Lord God, I pray that Lord, that every time, Lord God, that we would see a thought coming up, Lord God, I pray that, Lord, you would quicken our spirits, oh Lord God. You have sent us your spirit. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would quicken our spirits to be able to discern these things and to take them captive and bring them under your authority, Lord Jesus. For, Lord God, we only want to be who you, who you want us to be. We only want, Lord Father God, uh, our minds to be uh, found holy and pleasing to you, Father God. Lord God, would there be that day, Lord Father, where we can say, Lord, search my heart and search my mind.
And Lord God, that there will be so much confidence in that, in that, in that prayer, Father God. And so Lord, I pray, Lord God, that Lord, no longer are your people, Lord Father God, under, uh, under bondage, Lord Father, and slavery in the battlefield of the mind. But Lord God, we are victorious in Christ. And so Lord God, I just pray, Lord God, that victory, Lord God, that victory would be the way of your people, Lord Father God. That victory would be on our minds, Lord Father God. That Lord, because you have set us up for victory, Lord God. Will we set our minds on victory, Father God? So we bless your name. We glorify your name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.